Amen. Uh, we started on Wednesday. Uh, we started our time of prayer and fasting and prayer and what we call uh, the traditional church, of course, calls it the period of Lent. And so uh, if you have been following along, the devotions have been online on, on our RLC family page. But we also have this week's printed out. Uh, they line on the welcome table. <coughs> excuse me, on the welcome table at the back there. And so I encourage you to pick up one of these or just follow along uh, every day uh, as we just spend this time, this extra time building up again to Good Friday and Easter and we spend it in a uh, time of prayer uh, and fasting. And I encourage you to just journey with us. Uh, it's such a good discipline to have. Fasting is such a discipline. And, and, and I think the Bible encourages us uh, let me say this, fasting without prayer is really meaningless. Okay? And so fasting has to be accompanied with prayer. And it's just, again, uh, it's, I'm not, you can fast whatever you feel the Lord is telling you to fast. Okay? And the whole idea here is prayer, spending extra time in God's presence and in prayer. And this morning we, well, we started on this whole topic of prayer last week, and I know it was short and uh, online and everything else, but uh, this morning I want us once again to go to uh, the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 6 verses 9 through 15, which of course is familiar to most of us because we call it the Lord's Prayer if you want to, uh, and somehow I feel, I was thinking about it, uh, somehow I feel it was emphasized so much more as we grew up than it is right now. I don't know. It's just, it's something that we all memorize. And after we prayed our prayer, we'd have family prayer uh, almost every night. And at the end of prayer, we'd recite the Lord's Prayer. And I don't know, it just seems a little different right now. But we're talking about prayer again and focusing on, on this. And uh, I realized that for a lot of people, this prayer is something that they've just memorized and recite time and time again. And, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with memorizing scripture. You memorize any scripture, it's a good thing. But if that's all we do is memorize and recite the prayer the way it is shown you, I think we're missing the whole point of prayer in itself. And one thing we cannot do is, and should not ever do is, just recite this prayer in a hurry and finish. And I know as a kid, I did that a lot because, you know, it's time for bed or whatever. Let's say it fast and rush through it. Anyway, let's read through this. Verse 9, it says, this is how you should pray. And this is, of course, Jesus talking to his disciples. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And of course, verse 13 has that part where it says, For yours is the kingdom the power and the glory for and ever. Amen. And as I was preparing for this, and I realized that prayer is such a, I mean, it's such a topic that has been taught probably so many times, and uh, I think rightfully so, because you cannot overemphasize the role of prayer in a believer's life. I don't think you can say too much how important prayer is in a believer's life. And, and let me say this. If you, if you want to live life in the full blessings of God as a Christian, you need to pray. I mean, Apostle Paul, he says what? Pray without ceasing. But if you do not know how to pray... Or you do not know for what to pray, for what to pray for, you know, or what to pray for, what's the point of praying? And if you read the broader context of this uh, passage, it talks about, in the first part, it talks about giving, and then it talks about prayer, and then it talks about fasting. And, and you realize that all these 
these three elements that these three topics if you want to put it that way these three topics are vitally important for a believer's life and and they are kind of expectations as christians that you you know you you give you pray and you fast but uh, i think i would i would suggest that prayer is probably kind of the focal point of all three points that he has here all three topics because it's right in the middle i think prayer is the focus point because giving is important but you're not going to give properly unless you give in response to what god has done to you and what god and when you commune with god and fellowship with god and it's the same thing with prayer, with fasting fasting is and i just said this fasting is meaningless without prayer i know a lot of people who fast a lot of stuff but they don't pray at all during that time and it's really meaningless and so i think the focus is and should be on prayer in the middle of the giving and the fasting here and we kind of talked about it uh last week too prayer is not complicated it's never meant to be complicated it is very it's it's very basic to our, our faith but it's also a vital vital part of our lives and as martin lord jones he says man is at his greatest when he is on his knees and comes face to face with god man is at his greatest when he is on his knees and he comes face to face with god and again the uh, last week we i was talking more about the the object of our prayer realizing who you are praying to you're praying to almighty god but you're also coming before your heavenly father or our heavenly father and and that's the privilege we enjoy because of christ that we can come into god's presence and say abba father daddy dad and and it's not being disrespectful at all but we need to understand that the point there is that we can have an intimate relationship and enjoy fellowship with god i mean and he is we enjoy this fellowship because he is the caring loving father and as i was preparing for this i mean i realized there's so much there really is it's such a huge topic prayer is such a huge topic and i'm just sharing some of the stuff that i feel the holy spirit just impressed on my heart as i've studied this topic through the years and uh, i was telling jillian earlier i don't have an outline but i have many points and i trust the holy spirit to take the point that you need to hear and apply it to your heart if that makes sense so he will quicken your heart and i trust that he will quicken your heart as you listen or hear and meditate on what god has to sh- uh, has to say through his word too and this topic is so big and and the whole i started the study a few years back and it started uh when someone asked me this question which i hadn't really thought about much a few years back someone came and asked me pastor is there a perfect prayer I don't know if you've thought about that. Is there a perfect prayer? And I wrestled with that question for a bit. Because prayer definitely isn't a formula. You know, it, it's not something that, uh, you, that you can just, you have this perfect prayer and all you have to do is repeat it a hundred times and that's it. You got it. Prayer is not that at all. And, and I don't think, and the more I thought about it, I don't think there is a perfect prayer. but that's why he gives us the holy spirit so please i know growing uh, uh growing up i know a lot of people said you know try praying in pride try, try praying in tongues and i'm not against all that but i was i recently challenged a a young preacher who has uh who's telling his followers and he has over 100,000 followers on on his social media pages but he was telling his followers you know if you want to see the blessings of god in your life pray in tongues and yeah but yeah and he kept going on if you want to see a breakthrough in your life and this is what he's saying if you want to break see a breakthrough in your life you must pray in tongues if you want to see a promotion in your job pray in tongues if you want healing in your life and in your body pray in tongues 
And this guy has 100,000 followers on social media. And, and finally, I was like, I mean, I know him well enough. And I was like, dude, don't use the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues as a magic potion. Because right, exactly. that's dishonoring the Holy Spirit. Guard the Holy Spirit. When you use him as a magic potion, it's... And, it's and I, I, I was talking to another friend. I said, people like him give us Pentecostals all a bad name because he makes tongues like a magic potion. You know, don't use the gift of tongues as an indicator, you know. And somehow, if you speak in tongues and pray in tongues, God, you can somehow manipulate God to get what you want ultimately. Because that's all he was trying to say. And, and don't use fasting the same way too. We don't use fasting as a means to, God, I'm fasting. Now, now you better answer the prayer that I need right now. That's not the way we do it, really. It's like me, and I was thinking about this. I have friends who are, who are totally deaf, and, and it's like me going to them and telling them, you know, brother so-and-so, the reason you're not healed is because you don't have enough faith. Or me going up to this person who's totally deaf and saying, if you pray in tongues, God's going to heal you. I mean, that's not balanced view of what the gift of the Holy Spirit is about at all. That's not what it's about. I mean, there is no perfect prayer, and just because you pray in tongues doesn't mean God's going to answer that prayer. Let me just say it that way. Paul says what in Romans 8, 26, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Simply meaning what? The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. He's not talking about tongues there. He's simply saying this, that God, the Holy Spirit, Helps us when we pray, when sometimes in prayer our words fail us, the Holy Spirit comes alongside and aids us and helps us as we pray. And so we depend on the Holy Spirit as we pray. Here's another thing that I feel is vitally important when it comes to prayer. Something that is absolutely essential when it comes to us praying is studying God's Word. Let me put it this way. Prayer is absolutely vital for us as Christians, but in order to have a meaningful prayer life, you need to spend time studying God's Word. Now, why do we say that? Because we will not, I mean, we will never know how to pray unless we know what the Bible teaches us about who God is. I mean, if you don't know who God is, and will we ever know everything about God? No. But if you don't know who God is, how do we know how to pray? If we think God is like Santa Claus, that's why our prayers are meaningless, because all we ask for is a million dollars every time, something in our stocking, right? That's why it's vitally important for us to study God's Word, because to have a meaningful prayer life, you have to spend time studying God's Word. Because as you study God's Word, it tells you about who God is. It tells you about God's will. It tells you about who you are. And when, you, uh, when your understanding of these things grow and grow and grow, your prayer life becomes more meaningful. Because I'm not going to sit here as a kid. I probably, oh, let me, be, well, let me get what, a billion dollars. That's a prayer. Why don't we pray that prayer? Because as we grow in Christ, as we read the scriptures, we know we pray according to what God's will is too. And so it's important to study, study God's word to have a meaningful prayer life. And just as a side note, nothing pushes me closer to God than spending time studying his, Bible, or his word. Nothing pushes me closer into a greater relationship. Nothing generates this or creates this desire in my heart. More than when I spend time reading his word. Because as I study God's word, I begin to know who he is. And as I know who he is, I just fall in love with him more. And as I fall in love with him more, I want to spend time with him. And that's what prayer is about. Communion and fellowship with God. Amen. So you'll never have a meaningful prayer life unless you open God's word and study it. Study God's word. Because as you, here's the thing, as you discover God's truth, it pushes you into a deeper, intimate relationship with God. Let me put it this way. Prayer guided by the truth brings real spiritual maturity. 
Prayer guided by the truth brings spiritual, a real spiritual maturity. Let me draw your attention real quick to, uh, to something that's really fascinating because uh, most of you know that uh, my master's was focused on the Old Testament and, and one of the things that I, out of my personal interest, was understanding how the Jews viewed prayer. I don't know how many of us have studied the Old Testament. What did the Old Testament say about prayer? And one of the things that's very fascinating that as I was studying is how conscious the Jews were about prayer and God. Let me put it this way. When they prayed, they were very conscious that when they prayed, God met with them. There wasn't a doubt in their mind. When they prayed, when they prayed, they believed that they met with God and God met with them when they prayed. And what's more is they believed that God wanted to meet with them when they prayed. Now that's a lesson for us to, for us to get there actually. Because it's really like I said, God expected and wanted them to pray because that's the way he met with them. They had that expectation. They had that belief. Now, do we, when we pray, realize that God is there when we pray? They didn't come to God, you know, in, in fear and trembling. They came with confidence because they knew, when I pray, God is there. Yeah, do we have that same kind of confidence when it comes to God? I mean, Psalm, if you read the book of Psalms, it talks about it. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him. He's there. He says, when He calls me, I will answer. There was no doubt when they prayed that they knew they were meeting with God and God was meeting with them when they prayed. Now, do we approach prayer the same way too? There's a lesson for us there. You know, yeah, even the small prayer at a dining table you're meeting with God. You have an audience with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So much more meaningful when you realize God is there when you pray. Amen. When you cry out to God and come to Him in prayer, He is there. God is never going to say, oh, it's, it's Sid again. No, what does He want now? He's never going to say that. He's never too busy. He's not on vacation, you know. And that's why it's kind of it's kind of interesting because you see this contrast, especially in the life of Elijah and you know the the Mount Carmel and the the priests of Baal and everything else. You know what I'm talking about. That's why he taunts them. Hey, pray louder, shout louder. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's gone on vacation. Something like that. Why? Because that was very d different from the way when he prayed. He knew God was there. That was not what the world, the people, that world that he lived in, they didn't believe in that. That's why he kind of mocks them. Because for a Jew, a true Jew believed, when I prayed, God is there. God was there with them. And it's the same thing with us today. When we pray, we need to realize that God is there with us. God is there waiting to meet with us. Doesn't matter how small and insignificant you know, you may feel, that's your problem. God views you as important. Amen. God views you as important. God's not too busy to hear you when you pray. He's not too busy solving and preventing World War III. I promise you that. He's there when you pray. Please understand that part. It's also interesting that the Jews never viewed prayer as that last ditch attempt to get them out of a troublesome situation. It wasn't like, you know, like I said, that last attempt, but everything else has failed, okay, so now let's pray. They never viewed prayer as that way at all. And it's kind of interesting because you may call me a skeptic, because, but they viewed, they viewed, especially in the Old Testament and Jewish tradition, they viewed prayer as a constant conversation with God. I think, again, that's a lesson for us to learn there. They viewed prayer as constant conversation with God. Unfortunately, like I said, call me a skeptic. I think most Christians pray when there's a crisis. 
It's not a constant communication, constant conversation with God. And if you read uh, what they call the Midrash, which is the commentary on the Old Testament or, or the Jewish Talmud, which is uh, kind of like an exegesis of the Old Testament, which they hold really dear, you see this pattern constantly where they want people to constantly pray because prayer is just a constant conversation with God. Prayer is a constant conversation with God. We don't pray just in crisis. We don't pray just when we have trouble. We don't pray just when we have a need. We pray because it is constant fellowship with God. Amen. Now, do we view, view prayer that same way? Do we view prayer that same way? And maybe sometime I will, I'll share more elements because it's, it's, you learn. I mean, that's, that's, that's the Jewish tradition. You learn a lot about prayer from them too. Another point I wanted to make from that thing that you learned is when they approach God, they approach God knowing He's there, knowing He's all-powerful, omnipotent, and everything else. But they also came with humility to Him. They also, there was always, when they approached God in prayer, there was always the sense of humility when they came to God in prayer. And I think because all they did was submit to His will when they prayed. And I think you see that reflected in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus says what? I mean, he has his request, you know. If it's possible, God, take this away from me. But, not my will, but your will be done. Now, Jesus didn't pray that in vacuum just because he was the Son of God. No, that was their tradition. That's what they believed in. Now, do we approach prayer and come to God in prayer in the same way with that humility? We come in confidence knowing God is there. Yes, He is there. He's there to listen to my prayer. Yes, He's always there because I have this constant communion with Him, constant fellowship with Him. But I also come in humility saying, God, not my will, but Your will be done. There is this humility. (coughs) And I think that idea lies at the heart of prayer. I think at the very heart of prayer is, Lord, have your way and do your will in my life. That's at the heart of prayer. Because when I come to God in prayer with this humility, all I'm saying is, God, I want to align my faith, my attitude, my life with your will. Put it this way, prayer is not asking God to do my will. It's bringing myself into conformity with his will. It's asking Him to do His will and give me the strength to obey it and the grace to enjoy it. Let me say that again. Prayer is not just asking God to do something for me. It's, it's asking Him to do His will in my life and then asking Him to give me the strength to obey it and the grace to enjoy it. I mean, and this stands in total contrast to some of the things I see, especially on TV nowadays, right? Where you pray with this authority and you pray with this confidence. And yes, but you don't command God to do anything. God doesn't owe us anything. You know, we pray with confidence. Why do we pray in confidence? Because we know God is always there. We pray in confidence because we know God is able to do the miraculous, able to answer prayers. We pray in confidence knowing what? God is God and the confidence is that He will do His will and His will is perfect in my life. That's the confidence we have. And Again, please understand Oh, don't misunderstand where I'm coming from here. Because I wrote this statement down years back, and it's still, I think, true today. The effectiveness of prayer should never be measured by whether a prayer is answered or not. Let me say that again. The effectiveness of prayer should never be measured by whether a prayer is answered or not. The effectiveness of prayer should be measured by the assurance with which I get up from prayer with the confidence that God is God. And the revelation, that revelation, when it fills my heart, that an almighty, all-powerful, and all-knowing God is going to be God in my life and do what's best for me. See, I hope I can say this. Because for me, it just makes a difference in my prayer life. Because the effectiveness of prayer is not for me in the result of prayer. The effectiveness of prayer is what it does in my life. 
It gives me that confidence, that assurance that God is God. Almighty, all-powerful, omniscient God. He's going to do His will in my life. And His will is the best. <coughs> and so I approach God in humility as I pray. And I think one, one another aspect of the Jewish prayer that really appeals to me is the Jewish word, I mean the Hebrew word, it's called kavana. Kavana, and, and it's kind of interesting because there is no interpretation, translation, direct translation for what that word really means. But they understand what it implies. That word implies an intentionality, an intensity, a passion, and an emotion when it comes to prayer. That was what a Jew, a true Jew, when he prayed, he was supposed to pray like that. With that intentionality, with that intensity, with that emotion, with that devotion, with that commitment. It wasn't meant to be a casual prayer at all. There was no casual prayer when it came to them, a true Jew. You can't pray, pray flippantly, you know. Yes, as a kid, we teach them, hey, you pray this prayer as a kid. Yes, you do that. But as you grow in knowledge and understanding of God, there has to be intentionality, intensity, devotion, and commitment in our prayer. I don't, again, I don't have a problem with people memorizing prayers, and I love to read the prayers of, uh, you know, especially those early church fathers. They had some amazing prayers. I don't have a problem with that. But please understand, when you pray, there has to be an intentionality, an intensity, and an emotion that is attached to your prayer life, where you're committed to prayer. And so, you know, prayer was never meant to be a ritual, a meaningless ritual, a meaningless chant. It's not supposed to be something that you say again and again and again. There has to be intentionality and intensity when you pray. Again, I said this in the beginning, not a problem memorizing scripture, but understand what you are praying. Don't just, you know, you know, God, you're my healer, God, you're my healer. You can say that a hundred times. You you got to convince yourself. You can say it once too, right? Understand what you're praying. We don't pray with words. We pray with understanding too. And when the words fail us, we trust the Holy Spirit to come in and pray for us and with us and help us in prayer. Anyway, this whole Lord's Prayer, again, is just we're looking at it. And if again, if we reduce it only to reciting it once in a while, we're missing the point. I'm just going to cover the whole, this was part of last week's message actually, just looking at the whole thing and we started with it, realize who we're praying to, we're praying to our Heavenly Father, because that establishes the relationship and now you see the rest of it is actually divided very cleanly in two parts. The rest of the Lord's Prayer is divided into two parts, well each part has three sections and it's pretty clear when you read it. The first section focuses on God. The first section has three parts, it focuses on God. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done. Those are the three parts. The second section is about us. The first section is about God. The second section is, uh, is about us. What does it say? Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. And then it says what? Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. It's kind of amazing how, these, uh, uh, how many different ways you can look at these parts. And it's kind of really, again, it just only God could have thought of something like this. Put it this way. Because the first section, you think about this. Hallowed. We talk about hallowed be your name, right? It's talking about what? His deity. He is God. Talks about your kingdom come. It's talking about his authority as king. Your will be done. Talks about his sovereignty. You know, because there were a lot of kings, especially in the Old Testament. If you read, there were a lot of kings who were made kings. Like when Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar left, he put a dummy king there who had some authority but didn't have all authority. But Jesus, I mean, you're talking about God here. Hallowed be your name. You're talking about God who is God. There is no other God beside him. You're talking about your kingdom come. You're talking about his authority. That there he is the king. And you're talking about his will being done. Saying that what? He is able to do. He is in control. He's sovereign over everything. There is no one like him. I mean, think about it. There is no one like him. Hallowed be your name. He is God. He is the God of all gods. 
Lord of all lords. There is his holy other. And so as we come to him, we come to him as a worshiper in this first instance. We come to him with this elements of adoration because of him being God. You come with this reverence when you approach God. Hallowed be your name. And then you go to the second part. It says, your kingdom come. We're talking about God approaching God as, his, as our king. As the king of kings. As the Lord of lords. He is the ruler. And as king, we come to him as what? As his subjects. And as subjects, what do we do? We pledge our what? Our allegiance and our loyalty to his kingship. Amen. To his authority. We surrender to his authority. And the third thing there is what? His will be done. When you talk about his will be done, I come as what? As a servant. Ready to do his will. There's that humility we talked about earlier. This element of submission. As a servant, I exist to do your will. I delight to do your will. I submit to do your will. Yes. Hallowed be your name. You're God. Your kingdom. You are king. Your will be done. You are. I submit to you because you are sovereign. Our hearts and our minds and our lives, the whole thing of the first point is, this whole first section is this, putting God in his rightful place. Do you put God as you pray and when you pray, do you put God in his rightful place? Again, I'm not putting, not, not talking about, you know, put someone in place. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm saying setting apart God as God. Placing him in the rightful, uh, rightful place. The first part deals with, as you pray, set God in his rightful place. And then from that flows the second part, the second section. All prayer must begin with God as the focus. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And I wrote this down. Prayer makes sense only when God is in his rightful place in your life. Prayer makes sense only when God is first in your life. And that's what the first section does with. And now the second section kind of, and let me say it this way. This also shows, this first section also tells us about the power, I mean the purpose of prayer. Because the purpose of prayer is what? That God's name is hallowed, that God's kingdom comes, and that God's will is done. That's the purpose of prayer. So when you pray, we pray, God, answer my prayer the way you want it to so that your name is glorified through, the, through me, so that your kingdom is established through me, so that your will is done in my life. Yeah. That's why we pray. Anyway, from this first section flows the second section. And again, it comes in three parts very easily. We see that there. The first part is what? Give us our daily bread. What's it talking about? His provision. Second, he says what? Forgive us our sins. It's talking about his pardon. You have provision, you have his pardon. And third thing, it says what? Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's talking about what? His protection. So it's simple. It's kind of, I know it's just an overarching theme right here. But when you place God in the rightful place, he or you enjoy his provision, his pardon, and his protection. That's what we need to understand, church. Prayer is never an attempt to twist the will of God to my desire. Prayer is to shape me to fit into the will of God. It is to shape me into the will of God. God doesn't owe us anything. I mean, the gift of salvation is more than enough. He doesn't owe us anything, but realize that God delights in taking care of us. That's why we pray. When you place God in the rightful place, you enjoy his provision, his pardon, his protection. And you can also see it in this way because it's kind of interesting. The first part, it says, give us this day. It's talking about the present. Then he says what? Forgive us, talking about the past. And then he says, lead us, talking about the future. So as you pray, understand that God, yes, he's taken care of the, he's of the present. Give us this day, today. God knows how to take care of you today. He's taken care of the past. When he forgives us, he's taken care of the past. And he will take care of as he leads us in the future. Amen. So when we pray, we need to come with that understanding. That's the whole point of Matthew 6. It's not just to simply recite this. It's for us to understand who we're praying to, why we're praying, and understand what prayer does to us. Yeah. 
Not just for us, church. It's what prayer does to us. When you put, you know, when you come to him in this adoration, in this worship, when you come and surrender to his authority, when you submit to his will, you realize that he's got your past, he's got you now, and he will take care of you in the future. That's what this prayer reminds us about. And again, when you pray, please realize you're not informing God because God already knows what's happening in your life. You're not forcing God to do something, you know. You're not going to annoy him or keep nagging him till he gives you what you want. No. You're coming to him. And please understand, prayer is worship. Prayer is worship too. It's surrender. It's submission. Let me go off on a tangent real quick. I wrote this down and I said, at this time I'll share this. But let me share it right now. I think this is something the Lord has kind of taught me as I've grown uh, in the Lord or grown in my walk with the Lord. Because the focus has to be what prayer does to me and not just what prayer does, you know, in the situation around me. And I think as I pray more as a Christian, as I've grown and I study God's word more, I begin to look for what prayer does to me rather than what prayer does in the situation around me only. And I think that's what we need to realize, that the primary focus of prayer on one hand cannot be just me and what God is going to do you know, for me on the world outside, but the primary focus of prayer has to be God himself and who he is. That's what our prayer life needs to focus more and more on. Prayer is more than just a privilege of communing with God. Prayer is an opportunity for God to display His glory in my life. Let me say that again. Prayer is not just, the, uh, it's not just a privilege I enjoy. Prayer is the opportunity for God to display His glory in my life. Because when I come to God in prayer, in humility, I'm saying, God, have your way, have your will. Let your glory be seen in my life by whatever you do in my life. Prayer positions us. Prayer positions us in a place where His glory is revealed in our lives, whether the situation I am in changes or not. Say that again. Prayer places us or positions us in a place where His glory is revealed in our lives, whether the situation we are in changes or not. That's the purpose of prayer, His glory to be revealed. Someone put it like this, true prayer, and this kind of really, uh, true prayer brings our mind to the immediate contemplation of God's character and holds it there until the believer's soul is properly impressed by His character. Let me simplify that real quick. Prayer is to impress you about God. Or with God, if you want to put it that way. I don't know if you've thought about it that way at all. More than telling God about what we need, prayer is meant to impress us about who God is. I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way. But I challenge you to think about it this way. Because when you are impressed and taken up and captivated by who God is, that's the first part. He promises that past, present, and future. He promises His provision, His pardon, and His protection. But the focus is what? Be impressed with God. So when we pray, we don't remind God and we don't have to tell God about everything we need. It's reminding us of how awesome God is. Now do we pray that way? Do we pray that way? And again, I'm not saying don't pray for your needs, don't pray for things, don't pray for other people, but realize prayer is an act of worship. And as we pray, we're asking God for His glory to be revealed in our lives. We're praying. That's the hallowed part. We're praying, God, let your kingdom be established in my life. Let your will be done in our lives. Yeah. Yes, we pray for our needs. We pray for all these requests. But let's not forget, God is the focus. God is the focus. Let me finish real quick. This whole idea of hallowed be your name. We know it's not just by saying the name God, 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 God a hundred times because the name represented his character and his attributes. And so when you reflect, you're talking about hallowed be your name. How do we hallow God's name? When we reflect 
his attributes or reflect on his attributes. When we reflect and think about his attributes, we hallow God's name and we know the different, I mean, just you can go online and find the names that there is that the Bible uses to describe God. I mean, he talks about in Genesis right in the beginning. I mean, of course, he has Elohim, but then he has El Elyon, which is the possessor of heaven and earth. Creator God, basically. We know he talks about Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. We have Jehovah Nisi, God is our victory banner. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace. Jehovah Sidkenu, Sidkenu which is God is our righteousness. And of course, when, he come, uh, when we come to the New Testament, I mean, the greatest name ever is Christ himself. Remember, Christ is not the last name. Christ is his title because what is he? A Messiah, a Savior, Deliverer. That's what Christ represents. Savior, King, Lord. And he's also called what? The Bread of Life, the Living Water, the Way, the Truth, and the Life, the Resurrection, the Good Shepherd, the Bright and Morning Star. Please understand, all the names of God basically reflect the attributes of God. And when we reflect on the attributes of God, we hallow or honor his name. So when we pray, we reflect on God's attributes. We reflect on his attributes. Hallowed be your name. How do we do that? We hallow or hallow God's name when we acknowledge him as Lord of our lives. We hallow his name when we're constantly aware of his presence in our lives. We hallow his name when you reflect and meditate on his name and his attributes. You hallow his name when you choose to live in obedience to his word. Hallowed be your name. Just, just like I said, there's no outline, but just thoughts that the Holy Spirit just quickened me as I was walking through my life in prayer. Understand, first of all, we talked about this last week. Recognize the fellowship and the communion you have with God as your Father. That's who He is. Our Father, who we can have an intimate relationship. Because of Christ, we are His children and He is our Father. Realize that there is no magic formula when it comes to God in prayer. There is no perfect prayer that you can repeat and it be effective. Please understand, it's the Holy Spirit that aids and enables us when words fail us. To have a meaningful prayer life, please understand, you need to study God's Word because the truth of God's Word guides our prayer lives. When you pray, realize that God is present. He is there wanting to meet with you. When you pray, He is there. Pray with intensity. There is no casual prayer. Pray with intensity, intentionality, knowing that you have an audience with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Pray with intentionality. Don't pray only in crisis. Remember, prayer is constant conversation with God. Pray with confidence, but also pray with humility and submit to His will being done in your life. When you pray, remember to focus on God. Because as you focus on God, the rest of it kind of falls in place. Remember when you pray, you're praying, God, let your glory be revealed in my life. Bow your heads with me real quick. Church, I really, I had like 24 pages written down by the time I was done with this. So much to say about prayer, and I just skimmed through some of it. But I want you once again to just, I want to challenge you to reflect on what prayer is about. Realize that prayer It's not about us and what God can do for us. Realize prayer is about what God is doing in us and through us. God, I thank you once again, Lord, for the privilege we enjoy as we pray that we come into 
your presence as our Father. We are your children and you are our, our Father. Thank you for that privilege we enjoy, God. Lord, help us to have, God, a meaningful prayer life, Lord. I know I've met a lot of people who've said, I pray a lot, but I struggle to read the Word. Let me tell you this. You study God's Word, it'll help your prayer life. Allow the truth of God's word to, to guide your prayer. That's what the promises of God are. It's the truth of God's word. Realize that prayer is more about us aligning ourselves with God's will rather than God doing something for us. Prayer is just coming to God and surrendering to His Lordship, His authority. Recognizing that He is God, surrendering to His authority, His kingship, and then submitting to His will. I pray that your prayer life is more focused on who God is rather than what your need is. God delights in meeting our needs, church. May your prayer lives impress you about God. Just think about it that way. When's the last time you got up after praying and you were just so impressed by God? Because the effectiveness of prayer is not dependent on the result of what's happening around us. It's the result of what's happening in us. And that's the focus. God, I just pray, God, Lord, this morning and in this season of prayer and fasting and Lent, God, Lord, that you will just work in our hearts. Give us the strength, God, to Give us the strength, God, to obey your will. Give us the strength, God, to do your will, God. And give us your grace that we will enjoy your will in our lives. As we completely surrender and submit, God, we say, Lord, have your way. And let your will be done in our lives, God. Christ be revealed in our lives this, this season, but also in the days to come. And let that be your focus of your prayer this, this season. Christ, may you be, Lord, may you be revealed in my life. In every situation that I'm going through, Lord, may you be re re revealed. May you be glorified, God. May you be exalted. So I'll start to a feet for a moment. You give a light. You are love. You bring a light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken.
wanted to God but just this morning, oh God, once again, we just pray you challenge our hearts, oh God, Lord, and challenge our prayer lives, God. May our prayer lives be more focused on you and who you are, oh God, as we meditate, oh God, and, and reflect on your name. Make us more conscious and more aware, oh God, of who you are, Lord. Your presence as we pray, God, Lord. Give us the strength, God, to surrender and to submit to your will, Lord. I pray, God, that we'll be conscious, God, of you. May it not just be about us. May it be all about you. Pray, God, once again, Lord. Just reveal yourself to us a new way this season, of God, and I pray, God, that you would draw us closer to you, God, Lord. As we meditate and search and study your word, God, Lord, just draw us in. Draw us into you. Lord, may your, your name be glorified in our lives, God. May your kingdom be established in our lives, God. And may your will be done in our lives. To that end, we commit ourselves to speak, God. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen, amen, amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. And uh, if you're looking for a devotional, a hard copy of the devotional, the line out there on the welcome table, or you can follow along online. They're posted online. God bless you guys.